Good morning, Gator Nation. Happy game week. Yes, it is game week for the Florida Gators football team. Once again, a new era begins this week. We get to say this week as opposed to coming up soon or doing a number of days countdown. It is this week we get to talk about Gator football. Welcome to Game Week on the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather on Instagram at all kinds weather blog and on Facebook and YouTube under the name in all kinds of weather. My co-host Chris Gaines also with us today. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Chris Pitts, and you probably are familiar with this name. We've had him on the show before and he also hosts the 84 reasons podcast for Gator collective, former Florida Gator, all American tight end Ben Troop is with us today to preview the Gators season opener against the Utah Utes. But before we get into all of that, Quick word about our sponsors slash partners. As always, we are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, a nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. The Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans and uses them to bring someone to his or her first ever Gator football game. We pay for flights, rental cars, hotels, game tickets, gear. It's an all-expenses-paid trip to the swamp for someone for the first time in their lives. We have closed our applications for this season. If you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for next season, though, please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. Donations, of course, very much appreciated but not expected. But if you would like to and are able to donate to our cause, please go to GatorGoodFoundation.com and click on the donate button. Second, proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it is a better known business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them business. Two, it's run by a UF alum and diehard Florida Gator fan. So Yes, they do great work, but they do great work and they're owned by a UF alum who happens to be a U.S. veteran. Uh, oh, and three, I personally can vouch for them as they produce the new In All Kinds of Weather logo, the new Gator Collective site. They did the Gator Good Foundation website, and they've got plenty more Gator-related projects coming their way in the near future, so keep your eyes out for all of that. With that all said, it is game week. One item of business to talk about before we talk about Gator football, though, former Florida Gator tennis star Ben Shelton has decided to go pro. He has decided to forego his final two years of eligibility with the Florida Gators men's tennis program. He, if you remember, clinched the team's first ever national championship in 2021 with his win at fifth singles against Baylor. He then shot all the way up to the number one single spot for the Gators this past season and won the individual NCAA national championship. He is now in the U.S. Open. He has made it to the big time, and he is going to be playing a qualifier named Nano Borges from Portugal in the first round. Uh, today, actually. I'm going to say tomorrow, but today, with this, this will drop on Monday. You guys will hear it hours before his match. So, y'all, we, we get a nice little teaser, we get a nice little appetizer to – the big Gator football showdown against Utah this week with Mr. Shelton's 
big time event in the U.S. Open match starting probably. I mean, it's slated for one o'clock, but there's a match before him that's probably going to go on for a lot longer than just two hours. So figure mid-afternoon, later afternoon or so, former Florida Gator tennis legend Ben Shelton will be playing in his first official professional tennis match as a pro. He he had played at some pro events before, but he was doing it as an amateur, meaning he couldn't collect the prize money. But he has gone pro now, so this is his pro debut. He has loved his time in Gainesville. He is a Gator through and through, so let's be sure to support him at the U.S. Open by watching if we are all able to do so. All right, Chris, uh, with that, it's time to start talking about the Gators' upcoming game against Utah, first of the year. Billy Napier's debut with the Gators got Ben Troop coming on momentarily. Uh, how, how are you feeling? Neil, I got to tell you, I've been talking to my family, my friends. This is probably the most excited I've been to start a football season that I can remember. It's been a long time. I mean, you've got a top 10 team coming to Gainesville. You got the Billy Napier era getting off to a good offseason start. Now it's going to start this season. The crowd is going to be incredible. The at game day atmosphere. It. I'm just so excited for this weekend to come. So I'm ready to get through this week. We got to get through this week. You know, a couple of days here, and then we finally could be in Gainesville, uh, welcoming a new season. So I couldn't be more excited. New season, new coach, new era, new new energy, new feel. Guys going to be hyped. We know we're going to, I think we're going to get the best, the best energy, the best effort that we've, that we've seen from the Gators in an opener in a while. Not that the previous ones have been bad, but just that this one is that much more special than the others. The other ones have always been, have always been special because it's the start of a new season. You get to unwrap a, a new year, which is a new chance to, you know, to make something um, of yourself and, and help, you know, upgrade the Gators prestige levels a little bit more, but this one just feels like they're that much more ready to do it as opposed to, you know, hoping to do it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, it's a big opponent, you know, you don't, you, we don't open with these big opponents often, uh, but this one was scheduled years ago and now it just happened to fall on kind of a weekend like this. It, it always seems to sort of work out with all these sort of storylines, you know, Billy Napier era starting, Muhammad Diabate coming in as a transfer to Utah, former Florida Gator. So you can't make this stuff up sometimes. It all all the stars kind of align and and we've got a we've got a really special game in store for us this Saturday. Oh yeah, and the other story that I don't think a lot of people are mentioning. If you think, if you remember about 14 years ago, Utah goes undefeated. They're all mad that they don't get to play Florida and claim a national championship of their own. They get Alabama, they beat them in the Sugar Bowl. So they say, "Well, wait a minute. Now, why can't we play Florida for the national title?" Well, 14 years later, they get their shots, and it's the same coach too, Cal Whittingham, uh, the guy who is who is sort of politicking and, and campaigning for the use to you know, to get the Gators uh, for a national title. He, he's here. He finally gets his shot. So that'll all be very interesting. Yep, no doubt. So excited to excited to see you. Uh, we'll be having a good tailgate and good time and good to kind of reconnect with everybody we haven't seen in a long time. So uh, let's get through this week and let's get to it. Sounds like a plan to me. And with all that taken care of, it is time to welcome in our special guest. Week one, Gators versus Utah. Got to have a special guest on for a special occasion. We've got one today. Ben Troop, former Florida Gator, All-American tight end. You probably have heard of him, if not from there, from hosting the 84 Reasons podcast through Gator Collective. 
a recurring guest on our show. Ben, thank you so much again, as always, for taking the time to be with us and welcome back. Man, thanks for having me, man. I mean, we made it, right? I mean, the season, the season is finally here. It's, it's almost like, I know it's what, three or four months between the last game and the first game. feels like, man, whatever it is, it feels like a year, but uh, we are here and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it has been a long time. It's been a long time, felt even longer, I think, by the the initial uncertainty about who the coach was going to be, the whole coaching search thing. That was done pretty quickly, but then, I mean, just the fact that last season didn't go so well and us having to have a little bit of patience maybe on the recruiting trail. Um, but I think at this point, it's safe to say patience has paid off there. It is game week now. We can finally put all that, that, that whole offseason all the ups and downs of it behind us, and we're ready to talk Gator football. So, Ben, I know you're excited for the season because I, I, I had you all, uh, do the voiceover for the hype up video for this year. So, first things first, I got to ask you: ha- Have you done a voiceover before for a hype video, and, and what was it like to do it? I uh, I did. Uh, I have done voiceover before. Obviously, I do. I, I do sports talk radio every day, so I I do uh, voiceovers a lot, or we call them uh, uh, sound bites or commercials. But the only one I did that I was nervous to doing outside of when I did it for you guys, I had to do the uh, kind of like the voiceover when Kyle Pitts got drafted a couple of years ago. Like Florida reached out to me and they was like, we want you to do the voiceover. I'm like, oh, God. And so it's like when they reached out to me to do it, obviously I wanted to do it. But they would, but they did it in an anticipatory type way. They was hoping that he was going to be the, the higher drafted tight end. So I'm, I'm saying I'm saying to myself. Man, I hope I hope he goes number four. I hope he don't go like number, you know, number seven, and we got to redo it. But uh, it all worked out, and uh, and I've never met Kyle, never met Kyle Pitts yet. I've, I interviewed him when he first got to Florida, like as a true freshman, no one knew him. I was at, like, you know, life has definitely changed since then. But uh, no, I, I enjoy that type of stuff. I think that uh, most players, most former players, as much as we are like, oh, we don't want to do this kind of stuff. That's lies. They would love to get called. Like, I, I've tried to interview Rex Grossman a gazillion times. Rex lives under a rock. I don't think he does social media. But Florida reached out to him, and they got him to do Kyle Trask uh, voiceover. So for everybody saying that former players don't want to do hype videos, they are liars. They just know they're not going to get called because there's so many of us. So, yeah, man, I do my best to try to I, I do my best to try to have fun with that stuff, man. I mean, I got to Florida 22 years ago. So to still have some relevancy, man, is always a humbling, you know, a humbling experience. Well, you've, you've got quite a bit of it between the All-American Brick, the 84 Reasons podcast, Gator Collective. You definitely have some of that. So let's talk about Gators in 2022, the season opener against Utah. That's why you're here. Top 10 opponent that's coming to the swamp for the first time, as, as Chris pointed out, in in decades. Um, and I think, I think the conversation has to start with the quarterback play because that's where everyone's looking, I think, at both sides. And let's start with Utah and and quarterback Cam Rising, who I think did a, a good job of raising his profile in the Rose Bowl last year. I, I wouldn't call him necessarily a true dual threat because he's a he's a good runner, but he's not Anthony Richardson type level of runner. But Florida's going to have to respect that. He's definitely an above average runner for a QB. And because this is a Gator pod and we're all Gators here, I'll ask it this way. What is the plan for Patrick Tony and the Gator defense, do you think, against Cam Rising? I think because they get to see a guy like uh, Anthony Richardson every day, you got to force him to be one-dimensional. He's a, he's a willing runner, not a, 
not a you know any too many people can do what Anthony Richardson does, but you do have to respect what he does. You look at what he did in the Pac-12 last year, how they what they won like the last nine games, embarrassed Oregon two times. I played him in the last game. We had played him in the Pac-12 championship. He plays with confidence because when you go to a team like Utah, let's face it, Utah's never going to get respect because of who they are, not how they play. People like who you know who do Utah use? Yeah, they the class of the Pac-12 right now. They really, really are. So I think. The way you the way you utilize or neutralize him is you got to make him one dimension. You can't let him beat you with his legs. But if he does pull it down and run, you got to make him pay. I interviewed uh, Anthony Richardson one time and I told him, "Look, man, you two forty. Well, if you're getting hit by a two hundred and forty pound linebacker, that's not the same thing. Y'all weigh the same, but y'all don't do the same stuff. He's a quarterback, and you got to make him pay. I think we got guys on all three levels that can do it. Like a good defense, you need." All three levels. You got Javon. You got, you know, I mean, you got Brent Cox. You got Ben Trail. You got Trey Dean. So you got guys that play long enough with each other to say, hey, fellas, let's force him to pull it down and let's smack him a little bit. And make it make it hard on him when he's making throws. I don't know. I know they're simulating this humidity. I don't. When people try to do that, you can't simulate humidity. I don't, I've never heard of anything. We played Marshall my, I want to say, sophomore year when they had uh, Byron Leftwich. They tried to do that. Guys are passing out a pregame. And as y'all know, in the swamp, just because it's at night, it's gonna be just. It ain't gonna be as hot, but it's gonna be very, very sticky out there. But force him, force him to force him to uncomfortable football plays because he's gonna try to do too much because they playing. You know, they playing Florida. But if he does, make him pay, and uh, you get a chance to hit him, hit him hard, hit him often, and I think that gives us the best shot. Yeah, Ben, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I think that's kind of been the big story going into this game is how is a team from out west going to adjust to the humidity. Do you think that the, I mean, you play, you've obviously played in humidity your entire career. And when you played against a team that didn't experience it, is it that, you know, compounding of all those big blows they take throughout the game? Does that start to weigh on a team like that, especially a team like Florida that might be a heavy run team this year, even, you know, with the quarterback of Anthony Richardson, with the stable of running backs we have, do you think that's a kind of a game plan that Florida try to might utilize to sort of expose that humidity issue? You you have to, you have to use everything to your advantage. It's almost like if I play basketball against you at the rec, you might not be as good if I play you at your house. Like you go hit shots at your house. Cause you're like, well, dude, I play on this goal all the time. Humidity is just a part of the University of Florida. Like when I was there, they didn't let us, they didn't let us nail down. They didn't let us stand in the shade. They they just didn't let us do that. And you and while you're thinking, man, it's an adjustment for people that do it every day. Like we did it every day, it was an adjustment. You got used to just dealing with the brutal, you know, uh, you know, like the brutal like uh pain that comes with heat. Like what, what did Jimmy Johnson say? Well, heat will make cows of us all. It really, really will. And it becomes Hey, man, we got to get stronger as the game goes on. So if you've ever seen a Billy Napier practice, people think, oh, they in the bubble. Man, they ain't pumping no air through there. It is just as hot as in there. And I think that that's, yeah, that has to be something that we utilize because guys are dealing with it day in and day out. And I know that they still have their struggles with it time and time again. You got adrenaline. You got momentum. You got the crowd. You got the heat. You got the home field event. You got to use all those things. And what gives you energy is making plays. Like the heat goes away if I'm making plays. You only feel the heat if you're losing and if you're not making plays. If you're making plays, you don't feel it. And like I said, those guys are going to get off the bus and it's hot. And they're going to say, well, it's going to be a little cool. Yeah, it's going to be a little cooler at 7 o'clock, but it ain't going to be much cooler. 
And I just think that for Florida, I think they have to utilize. I know, I know they got Diabate. I know he's up there. I know they asking him. He was like, look, man, as much as I'm telling y'all about it, certain things you just got to experience. And so I do think Florida hopefully can use that to their advantage. Yeah, most definitely. Kind of switching gears a little bit, talking about our quarterback now, uh, Anthony Richardson. A lot of people have said that he has kind of gone through this transformational offseason where, you know, he has now become the starting quarterback at the University of Florida, which is a big deal. And with that comes the thing of becoming a leader of the team. You know, we know the physical talent is there and, and the ceiling for it is, is potentially off the charge. But what are some of the intangibles you think he has to do when the lights come on and he is now the starter moving forward uh, and to be successful at the University of Florida as quarterback? He has to embrace normalcy. When you have as much talent as he has, and, and the way he burst on the scene was real similar to how Tebow burst on the scene. I come in the business first, so I don't have to play the whole game. So I can look like Superman because I get a couple of plays, I go out, I get a couple of plays, I come out. He has to embrace the fact that if it's not down third down, throw it away. If you got to scramble, you got to slide. You don't have to be super on every single play. Go through your reads. Sometimes, sometimes the best play is no play. And the hardest thing for super, he's not athletic, he's gifted. This kid is gifted. He got some, he got some stuff that you can't coach. When you get a chance to show off your gift, show them off. But we need you for every game. Like you got to think to yourself, I know the backup. I know Jack Miller's hurt right now, but I think that he has to understand, dude, if you ain't out there, we can it's gonna be hard for us to win. And that's that's the responsibility. He's not, a, I don't think he's that vocal leader. Because people hear leadership and think, oh, well, what is leader? Well, certainly well, leaders lead by example. They lead through the way they, pra- uh, they practice. They, they lead through how they uh, uh, prepare. With, with Anthony Richardson, he has the respect of everybody on that team. Offense and defense, budget teams, coaches. I think for Anthony is, hey, man, can you do the normal things when it calls to do it? Can you be a game manager when it calls to do it? And can you show progress in ways that only – only Billy Napier and, and the team knows because there are certain throws he's going to wow us. He got a rocket in his freaking arm. I get that part. But can he do the – what makes Tom Brady incredible, he does, the, he does the normal thing. So if he can do that, I think he'll be just fine. Okay, so moving on from Anthony Richardson, the quarterback position to I think what is the next most important position, the offensive line. And related to them, the running backs that are going to be relying on them for room to move. Florida's running game was, I mean, it, it existed last year because Emory Jones was, was a threat outside the tackles. Damian Pierce was just a monster. Um, so it wasn't like the running game was terrible last year, but when Florida needed the tough yards between the tackles, it, it wasn't a reliable method of moving the football. I mean, they just sometimes every now and then, yeah, they could, they did fine against Alabama on the offensive line, but game in, game out, it was not a tremendous offensive line, and and it was not a tremendous running game between the tackles, which I know is something that Billy Napier is going to want to install for Florida. So there are three talented running backs on this Florida team, Naquan Wright, Montreal Johnson, Lorenzo Lingard, Trevor Etienne, I think, is also someone with a very high ceiling, probably not going to get a ton of looks early in his career because of the guys ahead of him, but Florida has the pieces now in the running back room and on the offensive line. They've got the experience, someone like Osiris Torrance coming over from Louisiana, familiar with the system, and they've got experience returning guys from Florida in previous years too who've logged a lot of snaps. So what are you looking to see from the Florida running game, and what do you expect to see in game one? 
I expect to see stability. I expect to see uh, what what I what I know about Billy Napier coming up from Louisiana. He is a old he love he loves to run the football because he knows football, run the football means I control the tempo. Like I'm controlling everything that's going on out there in the field because running the run the football is what offensive linemen they have to be taught how to how to you know how to like pass block. Man, coming forward, moving men, you know, uh, off the point of attack, create a new line of scrimmage. Because I think. And I could be biased. I think Osiris Torres, he might be the best guard in the country. This kid was going to be a top pick had he never left Louisiana. He's that good. And Montreal coming over from Louisiana, I think he understands how uh, Billy Navy wants to run the football. You mentioned Naquan. Obviously, you mentioned, you know, you know, you mentioned Lingard. I think our running game is going to be, you know, uh, the, the catalyst to this offense. What I expect to see is I expect to see attitude. Like the thing about Florida is, you can't run the football just to keep keep the offense balanced. You want to run the football because it opens up for the passing game. I don't know who's going to be the main guy in, in the receiving core. I know we got a bunch of guys. I know we got Whittemore, you know. I know we got, you know, uh, Henderson. And I know you got the tight end with Zipper and, you know, and all these type of guys. But because you don't know who, you need to run a game. Like, you need to run a game to open it up because what it does is, they're gonna pack the box until we show them we can run it, and then when we prove that we can, that's gonna make that's gonna make it so that it makes it makes life easier. I just expect the running game to be our calling card because I would let's face it, we don't have an offensive identity right now. We don't know what the offense is gonna look like, but I'd rather be I'd rather make it so that the running game is kind of like what we do better because those those receivers, man, they'll see my senior year. It was real similar to this team. Like, you know, me, Kelvin Kite, you know, Carlos Perez. It's not like we were household names coming in our senior year, but you but Deshaun Wynn and Seattle Phase on, they made our life easier. Cause like, all right, dude, we can't if we if we put nine in the box, you know, they're gonna throw it. But then we back it up, can they run it? So I, I think that the defense gonna dictate what we do. But if we got a solid run game like I like I know we can, watch us and watch what happens in the in the uh from the 20-yard line in, from in the red zone, if we got a great running game and you go in the red zone, now Anthony Richardson can turn it on because he ain't got – he got a short amount of distance. Now you got these 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", Justin Short and company. So what I expect from the run game is to make life easier for everybody because when you can run the ball, man, it makes being a receiver the, the best thing in the world because – Leaning on people every play, that wears them down. I don't want you to lean on me every play. every. So when I got the backup, you ain't got no – I give you the SEC – not to give them any credit, but I give you the SEC championship did last year with Alabama and Georgia. They they kept Jordan Davis on the field because they running the ball. So he's tired when it's time to pass for a touchdown, right? Because Utah got some big dudes. At D-tackle, they got man eaters that take up two guys, so – I think that's going to be something that we can utilize. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see it. My trail, that kid can run the rock. And, and Lorenzo Lingard, for him to stick it out, everything he's been through in college, I think he's going to be good. And, hey, man, I, 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 I've been wanting the ETN since i seen Travis. ETN, so the fact we got his brother, if he's anything like his brother, oh, he, he's, he's going to be very, very special. No doubt, no doubt. So looking at the playmakers on Utah side of the ball, one of the rooms that they may have an advantage is the tight end room. This is a room last year that returns uh, several contributors from last year that had over 1,200 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns. 
So, and this is kind of a position where I think teams have started to, in the modern day offense, exploit weaknesses and defenses. How, I mean, this is, this was your position. What is the best way to shut down a mismatch like, uh, you know, the tight ends that Utah will be bringing to the Swampness this Saturday? You can't give them free releases. These guys, if you give them free releases, it's almost like you're giving up on the play. You got to be able to say, hey, you got to put a linebacker on him and say, you got to jam him because we got to reroute. And the tight end position has become so deadly. When you, you see what happens when you got a great one? It's almost like, well, dude, who can cover him? I'm bigger and faster than linebackers. I'm, I'm bigger, faster, and stronger than safeties. And if I got any type of route running ability to me, look at what it does for an offense. Utah got two of them. They got two guys that can hurt you. I think I think that, uh, you know, guys like Ventrell, they're going to have to be ready to really help reroute these guys because, what, 75% of most balls are caught in between, in between the numbers. They ain't not, these guys on the outside, their guys are rare. They, they're very, very rare to get guys on the outside. So, so Jay Marsh and them, they're going to be really, 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 really bored <laughs> come Saturday night. They, I, unless they try to do some one-on-ones, which you're going to try that. And, you know, T- Torrance and Trey Dean, man, y'all boys got to make life rough. They, you're going to get to see what our DBs are really made of as far as like how our linebackers work with the DBs, particularly the, the safeties. Because the hardest thing, the hardest thing to deal with with a, with a tight end is if they can run routes. Just because you're big and strong and fast, but can they run routes? These guys can. And the more the more passes you catch, the more confidence you build. So I think they're going to have the good game plan. I like the fact that we got Mike P. I like the fact that we got Patrick Tony. I like the fact that even though Corey Raymond is working with the working with the the, the corners, this is going to be a scheme game. Hey man, what type of scheme are you? Because once again, if you can if you can make life harder. It's nothing wrong with letting the tight end catch passes. You just can't let them beat you with them. I give you Kyle Pitts in this rookie year. He caught a bunch of passes, right? One touchdown. So teams are like, oh, we we got to let him catch it. When we get to the red zone, number eight will not beat us. Now, that's easier in the NFL, but I think that for me, I think these linebackers, which I love great linebacker play, but linebackers ain't built to cover. Let's call it what it is. They, 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 make, they make plays in the run game, but I think we got the guys to do it. Ventrail makes me – help because he can get guys lined up and that was what the hard thing in 2021 getting lined up I think that they're going to come in and say man jam them because like I said I you know I love the tight end position I'm a fan of the players first and them tight ends for Utah they nice man I can't I cannot deny it they nice but at the same time I like individual matchups and I think that the linebacker tight end safety tight end matchup is going to be key to what type of game is going to happen on Saturday because they're going to come at you, right? But, but they only got so many routes to run, man. They, they, they ain't Antonio Gates. You know, they, they, they ain't Tony Gonzalez. But I think that, you know, if we can find a way to come up with a game panel, give them no free releases, I think we got a shot because that's going to be a matchup that's going to take four quarters. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you, and you touched on something that is actually going to be, be my next question. Um, one, one thing I probably should point out, though, before I get to that is both those tight ends that we're, we're talking about and uh, Dalton Kincaid and Brand. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I know how to spell it because I've seen it written. Uh, but it, it's it's K-U-I-T-H-E. I think it's Keithy, but I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, both of them got invites to the NFL Combine last year. They both decided to come back. So being invited to the combine doesn't mean you're going to be a first, second, third, whatever round pick, but it means that they had interest, legitimate interest from the NFL as juniors and decided to both come back for Utah. So not necessarily Kyle Pitts type talent, not really that that unicorn level, but definitely 
certainly above average power five level tight ends, two of them that Florida can have to deal with. But tackling, it's, I mean, that that's the issue that Florida's had for, I mean, ever for decades, for a century now in season opening games, doesn't matter the the coaching staff doesn't matter the players um, and really it isn't even just a Florida thing teams across the country typically have that kind of issue in game one because they haven't really done a ton of it in in practices but Florida is going to be facing now a team that does have some athletes you know they're not the SEC but some legitimate athletes for sure and now you tack that on to some of the the season opening tackling issues that we've seen in recent years, particularly when Florida's played some big time opponents in recent openers like Michigan and Miami and Mississippi um, to just pure tackling issues, plus bad angles on top of that, where they don't even get to the guys to attempt the tackle. So that's really my biggest concern about this game. How do you think that Florida's defensive coaching staff is going to go about attempting to shore this up in game one? I think that that's probably been a topic. I guarantee that's been a topic of discussion since the new staff's gotten there. Because tackling is football one-on-one. Like, we, we, we live in a world that everything goes viral, right? So people want to make the big hit. Hit him on the ground. Like, this is a tackle. You know how, like, if a running back runs over a dude and everybody goes crazy, but the running back stops? That's a tackle. We go, ooh, he got on the ground. Yeah, he got ran over, but I got you on the ground. I think now it's, hey, man, go take pride in your work. Get him on the ground because every time you're trying to make an ear hole type hit, well, you leave your, you know, what if he bounces off? And I think last year, you know, not to harbor on the point, guys were just trying to do too much. Get him on the ground. And every time I see these guys, I see them working on tackle. Listen, man, shoot at the hip, shoot at the hip, shoot at the hip. You know, stay away from the, I don't like this whole targeting thing, you know, because sometimes football is just football. We have on helmets for a reason. Sometimes they're going to collide. But just get them on the ground. Mike P gonna make sure them linebackers say, get them on the ground. You know, D-line coach, get them on the ground. Safeties, cornerbacks, get them on the ground. Or hold them up for your for your teammates to get there. Like stop his momentum, but get him, stop his momentum and get him on the ground. Because I think too often at times, like you go back to Kentucky game, if we could just make a tackle, you win the game. But you're trying to do too much. Get them on the ground. So, and yes, it's, it's gonna be a test because it is the first game. But when you start seeing defensive players doing this, saying, man, just y'all calm down out here, right? And that's going to be one of the loss in the first or second drive. You know, get your, get your feet under you, drive your feet, run through them, get them on the ground. Because, like I said, Patrick Tony, I know we got some great coach. Pete Tony is a hell of a coach, man. Like, he really, really, really is a great coach. And, you know, I know we got to get the Ty Grantham taste out of our mouth. I get it. But Ty Grantham had nothing to do with him not being able to tackle. He ain't got nothing to do with that. Those guys are trying to do too much. Get them on the ground. A lot of veteran leadership out there. I think we'll be fine because, once again, just like making plays on offense gives you confidence, making tackles on defense gives you confidence. Get them on the ground. Get off the field on third down. Get the ball back to the offense because they're going to be, gonna be, they gonna be hyped up, man. It's the first game. I get it. If I got a chance to hit somebody and it can't hurt me, hit them. But, if, if, you know, that open field stuff, that stuff makes me nervous because guys be whiffing and doing too much. That's that's what lead to touchdowns. I agree with that. And I think it is also fair to point out that Utah is also going to have that same problem because they don't go up against the same athletes 
for the most part in practice and certainly not against most of their Pac-12 schedule that they've gone up against. Maybe they got, you could say they had some against the, the, the five-star athletes they went up against in the Rose Bowl from Ohio State, but for the most part, they're not going up against that that caliber of athlete that Florida's going to be bringing. So I could definitely understand you know that being a two-way street, but for Florida, it's been an issue for years and not even necessarily against big-time opponents. I mean, we were missing tackles against FAU last year. So it's been something that, you know, we do have to be cognizant of, but it is also something that is probably not going to help Utah's defense either. Yeah. And you got to think too, like we talked about earlier, if, if they're getting tired at the end of the game or in the middle of the game because of the heat and the humidity, their tackling is going to get sloppy. Uh, and that's just naturally what's, what happens. Your, your athletic performance dwindles as you get tired due to those kind of elements, but switching gears a little bit to the offensive line, Ben, you know, this is a, a unit that I think a lot of Gator fans are excited about. Um, it's been a long time since we've probably been this excited about a, a unit, and that has a lot to do with the transfer of um, Torrance coming over from University of Louisiana. Uh, he's been on, listed on some All-American list. So what do you think we can expect from this unit? Do you think this is the best offensive line potentially in the last decade? Oh, yes. I mean, well, yeah, because we we, we far removed from the Pouncey brothers, and you know we, we it's been a long time for those guys. But I think it's you got guys that have specialties like Osiris Torrance. He makes the whole line better. Like he's gonna make everybody better because one, he's gonna show you how to prepare. He's gonna show you how to go about your business. And man, Torrance, I, I, I had a chance to interview him. He was like, "Look, man, the difference in you know you know you know the Sun Belt and the SEC is the size of the player, not the game. You got really really good players in the Sun Belt." But he goes, when I get on campus, you know, I'm 6'5", and Javon Dexter walk up to me, and I'm looking up to him like, what in the world is this? Like, yeah, man, that's a D-tackle. He, you have to get used to the physicality. But this kid is – he understands how to play the position. Like, he understands how to play the position. I haven't given up a sack in like a year or so. I don't care who you're going up against, man. Like, I ain't give up a sack. That just shows that he prides himself in what he does in the passing game. But he lives to road great people. Like, he's a road grader. And he's the type of player that you want to play with. Like, when a player is really, really good, but he don't point the finger to other players, he just said, man, watch me do what I do. I'm here to give you whatever. I think our O-line is going to shock people. Because if the O-line is the best group on the squad, you got a shot to be good. Really, really good. Because now you got five guys that are working cohesively together. You got five guys who enjoy working with each other. And you understand what the standard is. I mean, we come out here, man, and we don't play well, game's over. Like, I don't care. It's over with. I'm trying to make it so that, listen, they, they, know, they know they got the franchise right behind them and Anthony Richardson, right? They know, they know that he's, he's uh, you know, got to be protected. But I think our O-line will be as good as advertised. I love what I'm, in, what I'm hearing from it. Early reports are, you know, coming back really, really well. And that's what I like. I mean, as much as I want to, you know, love the position players, I'm going to need our line to be good. I think, I think Leib, Cyrus Torrance, I think they're going to be really, really good this year. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that, that they kind of have to be because that's the identity that Billy Napier has kind of told us all that he wants us all to have first by hiring two offensive line coaches. And second of all, with all the different little pointed references to football is one of the trenches that he's made at different press conferences. Um, but I wanted to ask you about another player on another position, some that Gator fans are going to be definitely familiar with in Mahmoud Diabate, former Florida Gator. Gave his all for the Gators for the last three seasons, um, but is now going to be 
I mean, his job is now going to be to try to help make sure that Florida loses. So you have some experience with this. You had a former teammate named Brock Berlin that wound up transferring to Miami, wound up unfortunately beating Florida in a game. I'm sure you don't want to recall in too much detail, but what is it going to be like, do you think, for these Florida players to go up, uh, especially the ones on offense, who are going to be going head-to-head combat against Mamou Diabate? How do you channel the energy of facing your former teammate in the right way? And, I mean, what's it going to be like for him? Like, what's it going to be like for all sides, do you think, to, to in, engage in this matchup? Oh, man, love on him before the game and after the game, try to beat the hell out of him during the game. Like, that's – that's and because that's what he wants, right? Like he wants you look. If you don't think that when he decided the way he was going to transfer, he wasn't looking. Oh, you talk about Florida. That kind of stuff matters. But um, you, number one, you happy that he landed on his feet because he is a, he is a very talented player. But you listen, he ain't seen you in a long time. You ain't seen him in a long time. He thinks he knows your game. No, bro, you ain't seen me in a long time. And it makes it fun. Like it makes it fun when you're going up against. Because your teammates, the ones you close with, they become family to you. I don't know about y'all, man, but if I'm playing against a family member, I want to beat the hell out of him. Because that's forever. Like that, that, my, I'm from Swainsboro, Georgia, and I played against a guy named Tyler Peebles. We grew up together. He was born July the 3rd, 1982. I was born September 1st, 1982. I've known this boy my whole life, literally. And my senior year was his junior year. We got to play each other on opposing teams. Now we, and, he was a D-tackle, so I'm going in motion, talking to him. When I'm going in motion, I'm, I'm saying, look, so with Diabate, I mean, great dude, man. Great dude. Wish he would have stayed. But bottom line, he's the enemy. You got on the wrong colors. And that's football. You got on the wrong colors, we got to deal with it. Even going back to that Brock Berlin game, yeah, Miami beat us, but it wasn't because of Brock. We made sure they had Devin Hester running back kicks, Sean Taylor running back kicks, and both our line, both our quarterbacks got hurt. So Ingram Martin and uh, – uh, Chris Lee got hurt, and uh, you know we ended up with the we, we ended up with the third string guy, Gavin Dickey. And once he got in there, he was running plays we didn't even have. So shout out to Miami, they beat us. But Diabate is one player; he ain't good enough to beat us by himself. But you don't want him making so many plays that it feels like he's beat. So you don't want to look like oh Diabate with a tackle. But hey, man, hey coach, we need to try to expose him. That, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward. I want guys going touchdowns against Diabate. Looking at it, you know, get a get get a get a penalty with a Gator chunk right in his face to let him know you made the wrong decision, homie. Like you respect to you, but come on, bro, you ain't never been to Utah day in your life till you went out there to play for him. Where is Utah? At? Come on, man. So I, I, I listen. I want him to stay healthy. You know, uh, I don't want him to get hurt at all. Do I want us to come right there? I want Osiris Torrance to put hands on him all day long. I want to see him get pancaked. Oh, I want to see him talking trash because we beat the hell out of him. And I love him, but when Diabate went to Utah, I'm like, Utah? That's like, look, if he would have went to Kentucky anywhere other than us and we got to play, hey, man, we ain't friends, man. We, you know, Benny, Benny, a guy named uh, uh, Benny Mills that came in with us in 2000, he went to Kentucky when Zook got there. And uh, him and uh, Shannon Snell used to be sweet mates. Boy, when they went up against each other against Kentucky, it got ugly for being It got ugly. And we was laughing at it after the game. I said, we was like, Shannon, leave him alone. We love him. Listen, we love on each other after the game. Boy, stay healthy, man. I love you, man. You know, I see you at the next level. But during the game, 
Boy, you you made the wrong decision, bro. You 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 you. But you know, and like I said, Diabate, he's he's probably gotten better. I ain't seen him in a while, you know. But uh, man, I'll be talking trash to him, man. I you know I I, I couldn't I couldn't be in this game, and I know that. Mm-mm. I just I just know that guys like Justin Shorter, Zipper, Zip, and those guys they want Diabate. Every time I made, I said, "What about what about Diabate players?" They get a smile and laughing because. They know him. They know what he's good at, but more importantly, they know what he's not good at. So I want Justin Shorter. He built like a tight end. They catch it on him, just run him over one time, run away from a stiff on him. But other than that, man, I, you know, it makes it fun when you got built-in storylines, guys on the other team. But uh, Diabate, he know, he know, he know what Florida got. He know he like, oh, bro, they got some players over there. He can warn them all day long. But when Justin Shorter run out there, you like, that's Justin Shorter. Yep. I want him to try to run through Diabate, man. Like, like we know what it is. Like, the fans going to boo him, and I want somebody to run through him. I want the crowd to go crazy, and I want somebody to stand up and point at him. Like, boy, look at you. You a ute. What is a ute? What is that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's what makes football fun. Like, at least I don't want nobody to get hurt. But I want Lingard to hit him with a nice little – I want Naquan to hit him with a nice little, little choice route. I want everybody to get a bite at him. You know, Xavier Henderson and run a shallow cross and just, and just run through him. Don't even try to catch the ball. I want, you know, Xanders and Zip to just, you know, try to double team him on the block. Just show him, man. Hey, bro, you know ultimately you want to be in games with. You went way out here. Hey, gotta make it, gotta let him know. And after the game, it's gonna be similar to when when Felipe went to Arkansas. We we beat him. But you see how much love they showed him after the game? You know why they can do that? Because we beat you during the game. If we, if we would have lost, I don't want to talk. Truth, what's up? No, nope, got to go. I don't want to talk. I hit you on a DM or something. So that, that's what it is. Like, you know, and, and to me, that's the ultimate level of, of, like, love you can show a former teammate. The love we showed Felipe, man, we played Arkansas, it don't get much better than that. I hope, it be, I hope it's a similar outcome uh, as far as, like, the win on Saturday night. And, hey, man. We can love up on them after the game, but during the game, I want us to make a couple of highlights. I want I want to be on Sports Center saying former Florida Gator Diabate getting trucked, you know, by Naquan Wright or you know Zip or Xavier Henderson. One of we got too many playmakers. One of y'all pick y'all pick which one y'all want to you know want to expose. I, I love that kind of energy. I, I think it's gonna be a, uh, it's gonna be a fun night on Saturday. But kind of thinking about like channeling that energy though in the right way, because this team has at times in the last few seasons played very undisciplined. That un, you know undisciplined nature has cost us games. You know, limited our ability and our margin of error. How do you think Napier is going to keep this team focused and disciplined? That's something he's been harping on during fall camp for for this opener. I, I think uh, I read something. I saw something where he showed how many penalties the team had last year and showed everybody how many penalties they had. Like. Pre-snap, post-snap. So you're helping them without even them having to make a play. And he's telling them, look, it is not our job to give them free yards. Don't give them free anything. Make them earn every single yard. And he's probably showing them that's the difference in winning games and losing games. You got to play, you got to play with 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 a with a, with a controlled emotion. Football is about the most emotional game you're gonna get outside of boxing. And I think that these guys gotta understand every time you play as an individual. We die on that hill every single time. You got to hunt together. You know, either we'll hunt together or we will die as individuals. And it won't get – because think about this. If at the end of the game 
if we had uh, over 100 yards and penalty yards, that shows they didn't have to do anything for us. They gave them a and, – and Florida was awful last year. It's almost like every time a flag got thrown last year, we all go, oh. We was almost clapping when it was against them because it was so many penalties. You cut that – there's a time of possession, turnover ratio, penalty yards. If you can win those three, you usually win the game, regardless of what happened in the game. Turnover ratio – you know, like I said, uh, you know, penalty yards and just and just time of possession. And one thing I, I love about Napier, attention to detail. These are think about it. He walk in and say, if I call your name, stand up. You had 10 penalties last year. You like what? That's kind of stuff that you don't hear. You know, that's the kind of stuff you ain't used to. He's placing a responsibility on everybody. So holding calls, P PIs, uh, unsportsmanlike, uh, false starts. Really? Like, dude, you in the offense, you don't know when they're going to snap the ball. So I, I think that's going to be a competitive advantage for us because I guarantee you, you go back to the best teams in the country, one thing they have in common, they don't they don't have a lot of penalties. They usually win time possession, and they win the turnover battle. That's before you even get into who does what. So if we can handle that, which we control that, I think we got a shot because, once again, we try to make teams beat us. If, they, if they're better than us, we can live with it. I, okay, cool. But if they beat us because holding, we're like, come on, man. You know, it's like, bro, if he beats you, don't hold him. You know, so I, I think that's going to be hopefully another competitive advantage. And they'll really – I want to see how Napier treats them if it is – I hope it's a slim if, if they do start doing that. Because if you're beating yourself, man, the game is already lost. We just out there for 60 minutes. So if they can handle that, which I like the fact that Billy Napier is an attention to detail. He's a, he's a details dude. He wants to – you know, so – if we can do that, which I think we will, hell, we we ain't got nowhere to go but up from last year. Jesus Christ. I mean, if we, if we can't do better last year, it's going to be a long year. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. So before we get to the last part of our podcast here and breaking the game down, I want to kind of give you an opportunity to plug your new podcast, 84 Reasons, that you've been doing with the Gator Collective. Um, you've done some fantastic interviews, not just with football athletes, but all Gator athletes throughout our entire program. You know, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about that and, and maybe kind of get into just sort of just how great of the athletes that we have and how lucky we are to have at the University of Florida that we're recruiting and that are making a difference on our campus. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. 84 Reasons uh, took on the life of itself. When the Gators Collective first happened with Eddie Rojas, you know, and they put me on this, this council, this advisory board. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, I, I didn't know what that was. I wasn't advising anybody. I didn't have nothing to do with it, but I knew that I wanted to be able to have, you know, some type of interaction with the current crop of athletes, which is almost impossible now, not because they don't want you to have access, but you got to protect them. Everybody has access to them through social media, now with, now with NIL. So me being in the, in the sports media space, um, when I spoke to Eddie, I had Eddie on my show uh, to talk about NIL, Games Collective. And uh, originally, it was supposed to be called More Than, right? But I was like, More Than? That sounds like too much to more than an athlete owned by LeBron. I don't want no cease and desist letters coming to my house. I don't want to deal with LBJ. Love you. I don't want those problems. So I wanted something that was originally mine. So what I told him was, I said, how about 84 Reasons? And what I can say about, about Eddie and Jen, it wasn't no pushback or anything. Like, not saying that I would have been mad had they called it something different, but I wanted to have something that was authentically mine. And I want to have something that sounded like something worth coming on and, and uh, have a conversation. Cause like I said, 
When I say no games, no gimmicks, just reasons, we have conversations on that. And uh, it's my way of being like an extension of the staff. I don't want anything from them. I'm not DMing them saying, hey, man, can I get some merch or can I get to – because of my position that I do every day, I get credentials to the game. So I could be right there standing next to them when they're warming up. They're looking at how you do that. That's my job. And I represent the other side of sports, meaning if I don't show that when the game ends, I can have just as much fun not playing, because that's what I had to realize, dude. A lot of times, we don't. they don't see us having fun. They see us complaining. Mad at the world. Why can't I get box seats? Why ain't Florida sent me? No, I want Javon. You know, uh, you know, I want, you know, uh, I want Trey Dean. I want, I want, you know, uh, Fudge and those guys, Judd Fabian. I want every last one of those athletes, whether male or female, to know life away from the sport could be grand. And I want you to talk to me about you. I can, man, I can talk to you about the, you. You're going to have all you to talk about Tennessee. LSU, you know, when I learned about Javon Dexter saying that his father died right before he played in his first game and he his daddy prepared him. I know he, I know he had his son, Javon Dexter, I think uh, uh, the second or whatever, or Lorenzo Lingard saying that his father's been on dialysis and he almost lost during COVID. Nobody would have known. I didn't know that. And they come on there and they're telling me about that. And it's learning about the person, man. I'm, they, they are super duper uh, – like poised and professional, and they man, they smarter than me. Ain't no way in hell Zook or Spurrier would let me on no camera. Uh uh-uh. uh, they'd be like, True can't do no interviews now because I because you have to learn to be in this space. I've had other teammates that wanted to do something with Gators Collective, but I told them when they ask about me in the facility, they upstairs, they talking to. They're talking to Jim, Jim McClain and, and, uh, and uh, Mike Speed and them. They out there talking to the sports and information department. They ain't talking to me with, with Vernell, which is great. So, and, it, and it's been a blessing. It really, really has because I've spoken to women's basketball, men's basketball, track, volleyball, uh, gymnastics. I ain't talking to nobody on softball yet or tennis yet. Like, I want to talk to uh, uh, Joseph Fonboulet. You know, I want to talk to Ben Sheldon and the tennis because what – because – this is my contribution. This is a former athlete talking to the current athlete, telling them, listen, I'm not out there saying if we would have played when y'all would have played, I'm tired as hell. I do not want to play with y'all. I am not envious of y'all. Happy for y'all. Beautiful facilities, but this is this is a older me. This is the old, this is the current me talking to the younger me. And it's and it's been it's been fun. It really, really has. We're gonna do more former players like we've had D Webb on there, Jeff Dimps on there. So we going so if you play before the both. Previous, present, or future, hey man, come through and holler at me. And uh, you know, I just try to tell them stay away from them cell phones when you're driving. Because while you think you got a good connection, I can't even hear you. So pull the car over and uh, don't have your dog in the interview. Can your dogs take over these interviews? Hey man, put the dog out there. But it's fun, man. It's it's, it's been a blessing, and uh, I'm looking forward to future episodes. And uh, I'm trying to get these coaches on, man. I, <laughs> I told I told uh I told Trent Whittemore, tell tell Billy Napier to stop ducking me. Because I, I could be wrong, but Billy Napier went to Furman. My friend Isaac West, who I came out with in 2000, I think he threw passes to him. But I got to confirm it once he come on. So I'm still trying to get Billy Nap on, man. Still trying to get him on. All right. So a couple things to take note of there. Number one, if you're a, a current or former athlete, do not drive in your car. Do not have your pet in your car with you. No, no, you know, you, know, you have your you. pet with you. Just just make sure they, they ain't all in the camera. I can't remember who I was interviewing 
But the dog is like literally in the camp, like he won't move. It's like he's looking at me. I said, should I interview him? I mean, you know, they, I, everybody got a dog these days. I love dogs. I just, I ain't never interviewed one. So, you know. Fair enough. They, they, they do not make for the best uh, interview <laughs> subjects, I guess. Um, okay, so we'll take note of that. Number two, I mean, you mentioned a lot of former athletes. Uh, got a shout out again. Talked about it at the top of the show, but Ben Shelton, uh, the guy that you want to interview, I'm sure he'd be happy to interview you. Uh, with you at some point he's kind of busy right now because tomorrow or today i guess this, this is going to drop on the day that he plays his first match as a professional tennis player at the u.s open um i'm going to be there i'm going to be cheering him on in my my orange and blue ben if you're listening to this i hope you take note of your fellow ben's uh, request and you, and you come on his show sometime as well as ours we'd love to have you too anyway with all that said time for the first of 12 Times we're going to do this this year, our big wrap-up segment to the show, the verdict. We're going to go one at a time. We're going to go keys to the game. Then we're going to give our percent chance we think Florida has to win. Ben, I know you love your Gators, but let's try not to say 100 for this one. Um, and then we're going to give our score prediction. So guest first, Ben, what do you think the key or keys to this game are for the Gators? The keys to the game for Florida is they're going to have to do something against Utah that everybody have a problem with, and that's running the ball. It is extremely hard to run the ball against Utah. They have massive D tackles, as I mentioned earlier, that they built to be run stops. They ain't built to, like, get pressure on the quarterback. They built to be – to take up two blocks and let them linebackers run. So what Florida wants to be known for, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to bully their way uh, against Utah because Utah is built to stop the run. Florida is going to have to establish the run. And – you know, when it comes to the quarterback positions on both sides, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson is going to have to play within the confines of the defense, find the holes in the defense, pull his, you know, you know, you know, show that, you know, show that ass on his chest when need be. And as far as like, our, as far as like our defense, I think our defense can really go out there and play loose. Brent Cox got some lofty expectations. This boy said he wanted a sack a quarter. I ain't never seen that before, but. Unleash Javon, unleash Brent Cox, right? Uh, unleash Princely. I, I mean, Ventrell, be that six-year senior. And, and, I, and, I, and I think our secondary, I know they ain't talking about I think they got a shot to be some, the best, if not the best in the nation. These boys are going to fly around. And uh, at the end of the day, I think that Billy Napier, you're going to realize that he, he plays a, a brand of football that people don't like. When you run the ball, people don't like that. Because that's, that's bully ball. That's, hey, man, I'm going I'm to force you against your will. I'm gonna, you're here, and I'm going to put you there. Yep, we run it to the left, and you can't stop it. And I'm looking forward to it. I think the best, I would have loved to have a cupcake team to kind of build some confidence, but I like this right out the gate. Uh, Pac-12 champ, you know they're coming in. They can't wait. They can't wait to score to do the Gator Champ. We got the number one celebration where everybody want to do what they don't want on your blue. But, uh, if we can, if our defense can hunt, if our offensive line can be what I think they are, we can establish a run, make like make number 15 be mad because he don't got to do that much. But hand the ball off and you know make some make some plays in the passing game. I think Florida got a really, really good shot, especially with, with it being at home at night. Yeah, so my keys to the game are I think this team has to play very disciplined football. I want to see, you know, if they can limit the penalties seeing if the, the the effort they've put in in the offseason in regards to that pays off. So my keys to the game would be let's have less than uh, six penalties 
If we can have less than six penalties, then I think that this team has a much a good, better chance of winning the football game um, than if they had more than that, closer to the double-digit rings. The other thing is, how does this team respond to adversity? Because Utah is a very talented team. They're a top-10 team. They've earned that ranking. They are defending Pac-12 champions. They almost beat Ohio State, who many believe is a playoff team, potential national title contender this year. That's the kind of team that they are. They're going to make plays in this game. How do the guys respond when they make a play? If Anthony Richardson throws an interception, does he come back the next drive and throw a touchdown? Lead, you know, leads us to a touchdown drive. Or, you know, we give up a big play on offense. Does the defense bend, but do they, you know, do they break? Those kind of things. Because I think last year there were just moments where the team, they let the big play happen, they let something bad happen, and they just didn't respond to it. So can they respond when adversity strikes? And then obviously, like I mentioned, limiting the penalties. And then the other thing is, can we control the clock? And I think that's going to go to what Ben's point is talking about, how if we can run the football effectively on these guys, we're going to be able to do that. We're going to limit their chances at scoring on offense. I think we're going to probably have to play a game where we win. And I don't, I'm not going to give away my score prediction yet, quite yet. But I think this is one of those games where I think the score, the winning score is going to be somewhere in the 20s. And I think that you're going to have to control the clock in order to limit their opportunities on offense to make those big plays. And if we're able to do that, win the time of possession, limit our penalties, and then respond in moments of adversity, this team's going to win this football game Saturday. You know, I, I'm very tempted to make it a, to make my keys revolve around Anthony Richardson because I think he is going to be the most um, most watched player certainly by by fans of other than Florida and Utah who are tuning in to watch this game and, and probably by most Florida and Utah fans too. But I'm just going to keep it simple and I'm going to keep them both away from him. And I'm just going to say block and tackle. If you're the offensive line, you have to, you have to make your blocks. You can't miss an assignment. You can't try to go sew up the wrong gap. You can't put your hands in the wrong space. You got to have the right pad level. You got to do the fundamental things on the offensive line. If you're a running back, if you're, if you're in on the blitz pickup assignment, you got to do it. You can't, you can't whiff on it and you can't let Richardson get nailed from his blind side. You got to, you just got to block and tackle on defense. I mean, talked about it earlier that that's the thing that really is scaring me. And it's not even so much because it is Utah um, or another power five team. It's because something that Florida has struggled with, through the Muschamp, McIlwain, you know, Urban Meyer, even Spurrier days in openers, the, the Gators just have not always been great at this in the first game. And it's not something that's unique to Florida. I think a lot of teams across the country, you know, have this first game of the year where they haven't really had a lot of experience tackling before four months because in practice for the last several months, Florida hasn't been doing a ton of it to try to limit injuries. So this is going to be their first, um, you know, real live game experience where they have to do the fundamental things of tackling and try to bring someone to the ground and in a long time. And, and it does cause problems for teams. So if Florida can, I mean, they're not going to look like experts at, at either. They're, I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, put on a, a, either a blocking or a tackling clinic uh, in this game, but if they can just at least be competent, if they can be adequate in these two areas in, in game one, I think that it, the the needle definitely shifts a bit over towards Florida to win. Um, and, and on the other side too, I mean, Utah, if they don't block and they don't tackle, or if they do those two things even worse than Florida does, then I think that the needle definitely moves towards Florida. So 
Those are our keys. Ben, when we did our season preview pod with Chris Doring, we went game by game and assigned a percent chance that we think Florida has to win each of their 12 games. Obviously, the the percent chances that, that we gave for games like South Carolina and FSU are going to be very different as we get closer to those games because a lot of time is going, going to elapse between now and then. Chris, you you and I are not married to the percent chances we gave in that, so feel free to change it if something made you want to change it. But Ben, you're our guest, so go ahead and tell us what percent chance realistically do you think Florida has to win this game? Um, obviously, anywhere from zero to a hundred. Where would you say? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I give I give them a sixty percent chance. I mean, uh, but the, and the reason why I say sixty is that that ten percent over is because they are at home. I think I think being at home at night definitely gives them an opportunity. I respect Utah. Make no mistake about it. And this team is good. Like I said, it's because of it's because of who they are, not how they play. They can play football. You can beat Ohio State. That's one of the best teams in the country. You could almost beat anybody. I mean, really. And uh, but I give them a sixty percent chance. I just think that for me at night, swamp, it's hot, it's humid. I think that bowls not favor the last big time game like this, and this goes back a minute. I remember when Ole Miss came in, ranked number one against Florida, wearing all orange, and it was a similar situation, and they got ugly, and they stayed ugly for Ole Miss all game. I'm not going to mention the quarterback who was there because he moved on after that game. Yeah. But I just think for me, I give them a sixty percent chance only because if it was if it was at if it was at uh, Utah, I would have went I would have went forty percent. I think that being at home helps helps the home team if they are a good team. And I just think that the Florida fans, I don't think Billy Navy gonna have to do a PSA like Dan Muller used to do. Like, hey, fans come out and cheer. They're they're, they're gonna do that, right? So because the home field advantage, the heat, the humidity, and the atmosphere, I, I give them sixty percent chance. You know, it's funny you mentioned that game, that Ole Miss game, Ben, because I think uh, there were – I was talking to another fan who thought that, like, this game could play out that way. Like, it just – like, it just gets ugly early. Like, the crowd is just in it. I was at that game as a student at the time, and, I mean, that was an electric atmosphere. i never forget uh, when that quarterback you speak of threw, like, off his back foot 50 yards to Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, that, Demarcus that was – oh, my gosh. But – I, I, I said 52% uh, at our state of the program address. I'm sticking with 52% right now. I'm sure as the season goes on, my percentages for the other games might change, but I'm saying 52% mainly because I, I do think this is a 50-50 game. The, the, if you look at the, the spreads uh, from, from Vegas, it has been anywhere between one and a half to three, and it has just stayed right there for in favor of Utah. Florida has covered the spread 90% of the time in the last, I think, 10 years when they've been an underdog at home. So that bodes well for us, I think. So I, I do think this is a very close game. I do think that the humidity, the heat, the crowd, those factors play into it. I, I just do. I think that you're going to see Utah at times, and especially in the second half, start to make some errors because it is affecting them. Whether that's a false start, poor tackling, missed assignments, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game is that Florida stays disciplined and makes the plays when it matters. So I, I do think 52% though is I'm going to stick with that. <clears throat> Here's a wild card, Chris. Uh, what if it rains? Cause I've seen some projections that it, it might do that. Does that help or does that hurt? I mean, 
that to me, that's a wild card. I mean, Ben, I always think of the game. Um, I think it was 2002. Y'all went up to Knoxville and that was just a monsoon. Up there. Yes. Yes. And we were an underdog in that game. If I remember correctly, they were top five team and we dominated, but the rain played a factor in that game because Tennessee turned the ball over many times. So do you think in a situation, I guess I'll turn the question that Neil's asking me. Yeah. I was gonna say, the, should, go ahead. What, what is the rain going to do? What, how do you think that factors? If it rains, it may or may not. That, that actually that actually still factors in the, in Florida's favor because we want to run the ball anyway, right? Like they, they want to run the ball. That's just gonna mean that you know you're gonna hear ball security, ball security, ball security. Because it's like this: no matter what, both teams have to have to deal with the condition. Both teams got to deal with it, and it just when it, when it rains, it just means that you're gonna see running backs like holding the ball like this more compared to just you know holding like a loaf of bread. But Florida want to run the ball, rain or shine. The thing about a run game, it is built for bad weather. That what it, that's what it is built for. The passing game, well, that's going to be a work of progress in Florida no matter what. But if it rains, hey, man, change your cleats. Uh, you know, make sure, you know, you ain't going to have – when, when it rains, guys ain't going to have as much stuff on their elbows, on their arms, because any, any, any material is going to be wet, make it loose. But uh, I don't think it changes our game plan at all. Ball security. You know, both with the quarterback, uh, running back exchange, um, going through his reads, protecting it. Guys don't guys just either take the gloves off and get back to just playing, you know, like you did when you was in middle school. But I think the rain, once again, still helps Florida. Because Utah hope Utah already got to deal with the heat. They don't want bad conditions. That's just so I don't think it changes Florida's game plan at all. And I still stick with it. I think that if I don't know if they practice in a, in, a, in bad weather, but Man, if you practice in Florida long enough, man, you're gonna have to deal with the mud. You 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 can deal with that. I hope it doesn't. That's why I don't like night games. They take for freaking ever. But uh, hey, man, we gotta live with it. Gotta live with it. So we are we are recording this uh, late on Sunday night. As of this very moment, of course, weather does sort of change prediction wise. But as of this moment, I am looking at it a 61% chance of rain at seven o'clock on Saturday night, 59% chance of rain at eight o'clock. And then it, it sort of drops off down in the twenties after that, but you know, it could rain and and it may not. So just got to keep that in mind one way or another. We have now predicted our wind percentages based on whether it is raining and if it is not. So we got both of those out there. I will say 53% for Florida Either way, and I think the 53% is a little bit different depending on the scenario. I think if it rains, I think Florida does run the ball a bit more. I think if it doesn't rain, then the, the heat is just, just a little bit nastier for Utah, just a little bit more uncomfortable for them to deal with. Of course, the rain is kind of uncomfortable too. I, I will say 53% um, rain or shine though for Florida to win. Utah does have athletes, as we've, we've talked about. Florida's um, historical inability to, to tackle in season openers is not only a Florida thing. That that also is something that I think Utah will have to um, definitely shore up in game one. So score prediction time. We've, we've stalled long enough. We've put it off long enough. Let's let's get to it. Ben, you're our guest. What have you got? I think it's going to be a back and forth game. I think it's going to be a four quarter game. I think that uh, we're going to learn a lot about second half. You know, second half adjustments. But I do think Florida wins, and it's going to be a nail biter. I go 28-24 Florida. Billy Napier gets his first win, you know, in the Billy Napier era in the swamp. Dang, Ben, we are we're almost on it. I, I have 27-24 Gators. 
Dude. You know, <laughs> <Wow. What? laughs> I, I, you know, this is one of those games, maybe, maybe special teams at the end, maybe a field goal is the difference. I mean, I, I'm predicting three points there. So I do think Florida, this is a game where they, they're able to, to, to control the game at the end. I think that's really what's going to come down to. Maybe not, I'm not predicting a game-winning field or anything like that, but we're holding a late lead and we have to milk that clock down. And I think we do it and we pull it out. Big first win in the Billy Napier era. I have I have to change mine now. Chris, Chris you don't have to. I mean, you can, you can keep it. You I mean, can, you, can, um, you, know, you can just risk it and say that we're going to kick a game-winning field goal. I didn't go that far. I, so could. You just- <laughs> I could. I could. I could. Before I give mine, I'll, I'll change it slightly. Um, but I, I will throw Dustin's score prediction on. He could not be part of the pod today, but he says 31-27 Gators. I think that's – I mean, I think we're all in the same ballpark. I'll, I'll say 28-24 just to be different. But, I mean, the thing is, if it does rain, kicking field goals is going to be a very tall task. So – I will say that even if it's not raining at game time, the field could be could be wet. The conditions could be such that, that maybe it isn't so conducive to kicking field goals. If Florida does have a bit of an unsettled situation at kicker right now, they don't have a proven guy like Evan McPherson. So I'll say that that they win 28 to 24. So we're all very much in the same ballpark. We've all got a very, um, I guess, a very – Slightly above fifty percent chance for Florida to win the game. I think we've all got score predictions within. But Ben, what was yours again? What was your exact score prediction? Twenty-eight, again? twenty-four. Same as yours. Twenty-eight, twenty-four. Was twenty-four. Okay, so yeah, we're all within a point, except Dustin, who's uh, who's three points north of, of both of ours. It's gonna be a long game, fellas. Seven o'clock, bunch of commercials. It's gonna take forever to get this game over with. I don't want no rain delays. I'm like. You know, not not to give them any love, but that team, that that other team we play in the ACC in Tallahassee, you saw what they did to get there for it. It's a di- different opponent, but running the football, it makes life so much better, man, because the receivers, they want to catch the rock, but they want to dub. They want to dub. We'll, the, 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 I think the uh, offense will get better and better as the year goes on. Let me just say something, one thing really quick about Duquesne. They, as far as FCS teams go, that's a bad one. That's a really, really bad one. So I'm putting zero stock into that. The team- oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just, I mean, that, that's the first win they've got in the first, that's the first game, one win they Since got. 2016. Yeah. So, you know, listen, at the end of the day, like I said, I'm a fan of the players first, uh, uh, college football second, then Florida, but I just, I just know that I ain't, I'm not trying to know. No, we, when we play them, that's a long ways from now. Oh, oh, it's, we're going to beat the hell out of them. I ain't worried about them. I'm just saying, when you run the ball, man, it makes life easier because you want to win more than you want to have good stats. And maybe I'm just speaking for myself when I say that. I don't want to have, you know, I want to have, you know, a bunch of stats and we lose. I want to be, hey, bro, we won the game. Why? It's easier to come back to class. It's easier to come back to practice because you're dealing with a dub. Plus, you know, Everybody want to be the big bad games, man. We get it. We we got that moniker. Everybody wants to beat us because we we are resume boosters. No matter what people say, you know Tennessee think they're the everything school. Yet they haven't won in everything. I don't know where they get that from. If your greatest baseball team in history didn't go to Omaha, what the hell is that? Anyway, I ain't even gonna go on a rant on these other schools. I'm just saying everybody wants to be like us, man. They just won't say it. So. But Utah, hey man, they gonna give us a run, and I and I want a good team game one because y'all already know who coming to town game two, so you know. 
No mulligan. Yeah. I was going to say, it does, it's not like if Florida wins this game, they get to party and enjoy it for too nah, long. And if, and if they lose if they lose this game, they can't sit and cry about it for too long because the game is even bigger next week. Of so course. That may, of but course. then again, that's that's the life in the SEC. That's the life when you're the Gators. You got to yeah. have big games uh, you know, more than just once or twice a year, unlike that school in, in Tallahassee or the one down in Coral Gables. But that's, you know, that's, that's what it is to be a Gator. You have big games. Almost every week. That's just we that's why you come here. So it's what we do, man. It's what we do. So I think that's gonna do it for this episode of the All Kinds Weather Forecast. If you did enjoy our show, please go and leave us a five star review and a nice rating on Apple Podcasts. We definitely would appreciate that, Ben. We really appreciated you and your insight and yeah. I mean, everything you bring, man. The energy is just contagious. We we love having you. We can't wait to have you again. I'm pretty sure everybody knows where they can find you. We've talked about the 84 Reasons podcast, but for those who maybe don't know, where, where can everyone hear more of you, read your work, and uh, and find you on social? Oh, just uh, all at uh, at uh, being true 84 uh, at Pigskin Radio, and uh, you know I enjoy coming on, man. I think I think not. I think when it comes to me. I'm never, ever going to get, quote, too big time to come on. No, I mean, you guys validate me, man. It's always been like that. You guys validate what I'm doing. Like I said, my phone rings, you guys, or my DMs open to be able to come on shows like yours. Most guys are like, man, how do I do that? Well, reach out to them. Like, there are people that want to come on you guys' show. And I said, well, reach out to them. Like, let them know you want to come on. They're, they're not going to just know. you. If you ain't got no kid that's going to Florida like, like Ernest Graham, they don't know what the hell you want to do. You better go reach out to them. So, I appreciate you guys having me on, though. It gives me a chance to talk about them boys. Y'all know who I'm rocking with. Sometimes I have to pick against them. That's the analyst in me. I'm learning. Because, my, because you know, a couple of years from now, I mean, with 2016, Florida could play Green Bay. Florida, Florida by 10. Yep. I had to learn. You can't just do that. You know, We know who you want to win. But, no, nah, I mean, I enjoy coming on. I appreciate you letting me do the, uh, the hype video. And uh, hey man, you know I'm, I'm you know as long as you guys happy man, you know my number won't change. And as you can see, I've got my technology a little bit better these days. Yes, I was gonna say you've definitely upgraded that. Um, I'm gonna see you soon. I'm gonna I'm gonna see you, and we're gonna get to hang out. Not not that far into the future this week. Yeah. I look forward to it, man. Chris, uh, I'll see you too. Uh, ben, you're gonna be hanging out in game day. We gotta we gotta all get together. Oh yeah, man. If I'm if I'm listen, if I'm down there in game day, you know you guys get to see me before the storm hit. Because once I'm when I'm up in that booth, I'm not sitting by nobody. I don't want to hey me up. I don't want to talk to nobody. I got my head if I'm focused. I'm like I'm living and dying with every play. That hey, the booth ain't what people the, the press box ain't what people make it to be, man. I'm up there like this. What are we doing? Yelling and screaming. So, but I'm getting better with it, man. I'm getting better. With it. Well, we we appreciate it, man. Uh, we we we've loved having you. We can't wait to have you again. We know this is going to make for an amazing show, and we cannot wait to see the Gators take the field and hopefully just just hopefully start the Billy Napier era with a dub. Yes, that's all I want. I know it's gonna, I know the game ain't going to be over till like eleven fifty nine, but I just want to get the dub. <laughs> that's right. All right, fellas, man. I appreciate it. You too, man. Thank you.